Hello, weary internet travelers. Uh, for the last time, a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, if you're listening to this episode, it is... It's the last episode of the Before and After Show, and it's not really a full episode. Um, I'm joined by Ryan Buell. Hello, hello. And Mike Moray. What's up? And we're here to talk about a lot of changes that are about to happen. Um with the podcast and the content we generate in general. Um, so let's start with the good news, which is, it's all good news. This is all good. Everything's fine. We're still going to be making stuff for you guys to listen to and enjoy. And as a matter of fact, we're going to actually be making more stuff for you guys to listen to and enjoy. But what's happened is um, <clears throat> some schedules have been... Um, altered in good ways uh, mike you have recently received a promotion at work mm-hmm. um but with that comes a lot of time <laughs> with great responsibility comes lots of work you uh <laughs> thanks for doing what i actively tried to avoid <laughs> i knew you're avoiding it but i was gonna touch it anyway every time i think i'm out they pull me right back in <laughs> <laughs> She's got a great thorax. <laughs> no one's gonna get that. Nope. Um, anyway, uh, and uh, Ryan, similarly, you have accepted your first teaching position, I have. which is something you've been working towards for the majority of the time I've known you. Yep. So, uh, like I said, it's all good things. It's all great things. As a matter of fact, uh, my friends are excelling professionally, and I love that. However, they are uh, also going to have to dedicate a lot of time to that. Um, Mike's job is one where he has to be very diligent in his work. Um, Kind of the nature of the thing, as is Ryan's teaching is a hard job. Teachers put in so many extra hours that they don't get paid for. Um, And so we're trying to lighten the load on those two guys. Myself, I have a full-time hourly job. It's fine. But I have the time outside of work to record podcasts and edit them and get them up weekly. I had that time. I made sure to have that time while I was working 70 hour work weeks and trying to pay for a wedding. I started this podcast in the midst of that. So I'm used to working around this podcast schedule. And um, that's kind of what I've just kind of built the last three years of my life on. Um, And as sort of the point person for Real Perspective and Before and After Show, that's just part of the gig, right? Um, However, my studious uh, co-hosts, that's not the commitment they make when they sign on to this. Um, They're not in charge of this, not in a bad way or the sort of pecking order way, but just they're not the ones who were like, hey, I'm going to be the point person for this. And so what we're going to do is... The before and after show is going away. It's uh, it's not going to be a thing. This is the last episode um, you're going to hear. In a second, you'll hear the last episode in full, um, which is myself and Mike talking about War for the Planet of the Apes. If you notice, you didn't get an episode last week because of that. Um, so what Mike and I are doing is real perspective is also going away. I don't remember what the last episode we released was. Uh, do you? It was about Disney ruining movies. Yes, the Is Disney Ruining Movies episode. <laughs> Which wasn't really about that, but you guys should have watched the video and found out that yourself. It's true. Um, 
So that is our last episode of Real Perspective. But Real Perspective is not going away completely. Real Perspective is becoming a podcast. Um, The feed for the before and after show is turning into the feed for Real Perspective. So what that means for you is basically nothing. Um, I don't think you'll have to update your subscriptions in your feed burners. I think it's all going to transfer over um, if you subscribe on iTunes. I haven't looked into that yet. But I'm not, <clears throat> I, I don't I don't think it'll affect that because um, it's still using the same RSS feed. And so if you're interested in hearing Real Perspective on the audio format, you can just stay subscribed and keep doing what you're doing. We are taking a little bit of a break. Um, next week is going to be kind of a bonus episode that's kind of a dry run for the Real Perspective show. Um, ideally, the, the goal we're the goal we're setting for Real Perspective is to do our macro level talk about the film industry and what's kind of going on in the film industry. But also, we're going to try to see the movie associated with the topic we're talking about. Um, so next week, you're going to hear us talk kind of big level about bigly about <laughs> um, about Christopher Nolan and his filmography. And then Mike and I are going to review Dunkirk. I know it's going to be kind of a couple weeks out, but that's fine. Um, people will still be talking about it, I'm sure, unless the Emoji Movie store is somehow the best movie of the year. <laughs> um, it was so deep. Smiley <laughs> face. <laughs> you know, so here's the thing about the Emoji Movie. I'm very anti it on like just a just a human level. <laughs> However, there was a joke in one of the TV spots the other day that got me. And it was the old emoticons. Mm-hmm. Like, the emoticons are the elderly people in Emoji World. And <laughs> I thought that was okay, great. that's pretty good. Yeah, I was like, man, all right. <laughs> I'll give you that. Patrick Stewart is playing poop. That's pretty great, too. So, two <laughs> points Emoji Movie, I guess. <laughs> um, so, after that, we're going to take a break until September. We don't have a firm date on when we're coming back in September, but it will be sometime in September. Um, we have to take a look at the calendar. Part of it is, I need a break. Um, I've been doing this pretty much every week for the last three years. And I love it, and I would never stop doing it. But I need some time off. Um, I'm going to do some traveling over that month, and I'm excited to do that. But uh, kind of committing to having starting two new podcasts, spoilers, starting two new podcasts in the midst of that sounds exhausting. Um, the other part of that is, uh, Ryan and I are going to be starting a different podcast and that one's going to require a little more work on your part. Um, one, it's going to have you, uh, have to be interested in the topic we're talking about. Um, but two, it's, it's going to be a separate feed. It's going to be a separate show. It's going to have its own title. It's so far untitled. Uh, Ryan and I are going to take August to brainstorm this show. And bring it to use also sometime in September. Once again, we don't have a firm date. We will update this feed when we have a firm date on both of those shows. Um, but Ryan and I... Ryan, what, what is our podcast going to be about? It's going to be about board games. He says as he's sitting in front of the <laughs> biggest wall of board games I've ever seen. I mean, it's average. <laughs> How many games are we sitting in front of right now? Um, maybe 200? Holy moly. Maybe. I could be off. There's there's stuff, yeah. There's stuff in my car. Wow. That I have been too lazy to bring up, so. Dang. But this, this has been 
growing over the past few years. So. Yes, it's true. This was not done overnight. No, 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 no. And uh, <laughs> you guys will kind of hear, uh, I think our first episode on that is kind of going to be our relationship to this weird little hobby we have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that'll be a good starting off point. Um, and yeah, so Ryan and I are starting a board game podcast, which I'm really excited about because next to movies, playing board games is my second favorite hobby. Um <laughs> And it's something I'm always complaining about not having enough time to do. So if I have a podcast about it, <laughs> I have to do it. Um, but also, uh, Ryan, that's uh, that's an area that, that you and I are on more equal footing in. Yeah, um, very much so. You know, and, and Mike and I are on pretty equal footing when it comes to movie stuff. And I think this is going to be a really good move because I think it's going to get all of the people I love creating content with where they need to be. Um, in order to be the most effective content creators they can be. I know what you're thinking. Uh, what about Corey? Um, Corey is absolutely going to be involved in some way, somehow. We might be bringing film school back. I miss doing that so much. Uh, it might be a once-a-month thing on the Real Perspective feed. Um, I'm not really sure how Corey is going to fit into this. He might be taking over the YouTube channel completely and just turning it into the Game Space YouTube, YouTube channel. Corey's really busy. He travels a lot for work. Um, he's constantly making other stuff outside of this for his job. So it's it's hard for him to really commit to a weekly or bi-weekly schedule. Um, and yeah, but Corey is not going anywhere. Uh, Corey, if you're listening to this, I hope you do the music for the new shows. <laughs> um, and uh, sorry about talking about your cocaine habit later in this episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh yeah but yeah Corey is is i mean he started on the ground floor with me on this thing and um no matter where we are in the country no matter what we're doing we are probably always going to be making stuff together um so yeah he couldn't be on this phone call because or on this recording because i forgot to ask him (laughs) um until like two two minutes before and i was like oh we probably should have gotten Corey involved with this but um yeah he'll be around he'll be around um so the the new podcasts they're gonna be they're gonna be twice a month each um and they're gonna be on alternating weeks so one week you'll get myself and mike and the other week you'll on real perspective and then the uh the week you don't have us you'll have myself and ryan on Untitled Board Game Podcast, A Star Wars Story. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that's that's it, you guys. Um, so, uh, Mike, we'll start with you. Are you excited about this change? Are you nervous? Um, mm, no, I'm not excited. Um, okay. Yep, I uh, don't want to be here. Okay. And uh, I'll see you guys later. Okay, Ryan, how about you? Ouch. No. Uh <laughs> I want to be on the board game podcast with you, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're going to start five. a competing board game podcast. <laughs> it's like Michael's gone from the office. Like, start my own paper company after starting a previous one. Um, no, I am. I am very excited. I think it's it's going to be a good match. You guys will be able to geek out geek out about movies. I love movies. I love good stories. But I feel like what you're saying. Board games, me and you, that, that's that's something we can kind of have more more in common, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, equal footing in that, and I think that'll be a lot of fun. Scratch that nerd itch. Um, yeah, so I'm excited, man. 
And in all honesty, yeah, I look forward to kind of doing some more deep dive stuff. Yeah. With uh, real perspective. That's what I really like talking about. It's like the trends in movies. And then you relating it back to something that's maybe coming up. But um, that's where I really enjoy analyzing film. And um, I think that's going to be a good outlet to go and do that. Yeah, I think so. I think this decision has actually been longer in the making than just we got new jobs. (laughs) Um, You know, it's not a completely arbitrary decision. Um, And we can you can tell that because these ideas seem pretty fully formed right out of the gate. This is a decision that Mike and I floated last Monday Mm. at the time of this recording. So just eight days ago um, when we're recording this and we have a plan in place eight days later Mm. that we're acting on. Um, so part of it is, you know, a year ago, uh, these cops and lawyers, um, (laughs) no, a a year ago, uh, uh, hey, (laughs) um, (laughs) a, a year ago, Mike joined the Real Perspective, um, YouTube channel, uh, what, when Corey moved away. And Ryan joined the before and after show as co-host when Corey moved away. And it was, uh, you know, Corey and I were doing both the YouTube show and the podcast. And we decided we didn't want one person to kind of be shouldering that weight of having to record multiple times a week. And um, we split it up amongst Ryan and Mike. And and pretty quickly, Mike and I decided to, uh, it was about, well, it was about six months. Yeah. Um, about six months in, uh, we were doing the before and after show as just a YouTube show. And it, it, that was born out of trying to keep up with the uh, summer release schedule that year. It mm. was it was, it was was a lot. And so we just kind of broke it up amongst those things. And then um, Mike got a promotion at his work. <laughs> and so we decided that uh, what we would do is we would switch the YouTube channel to this kind of deep dive um, macro level look at what was going on in the industry in the wake of certain films coming out and that was one of the best decisions i've ever made creatively <laughs> um it just kind of clicked i think from the beginning and these last six months i think we've gotten a lot better at it yep. um the last handful of episodes have been some of my favorite things we've ever done um i'm really proud of the disney episode i'm really proud of the michael bay episode mm-hmm. i'm really proud of the uh Fast and Furious, uh, Mission Impossible, Impossible. Yep. Uh, James Bond episode. I These last maybe like four or five episodes of Real Perspective have like really hit their stride. I'm really, 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 really proud of it. And so when this idea came about, it was like, well, let's not abandon this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it turned, it, it, it didn't just become, let's not abandon this. It's like, how can we actually flesh this out? And that was in watching the film that we're going to be talking about, stretching it out to an hour instead of 30 minutes, basically. Um, for the most part. And also, what I'm looking forward to is we're unbound to the before and after format now. Right. We can do whatever we want. It's just mm-hmm. called real perspective. That's it. It's just like R-E-E-L perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it's just your pers- our perspective on movies. Yep. And so I think it's all, it's it's really creatively liberating for both of us, you know, if there's something you really want to talk about, uh, you can do it. If there's something I really want to talk about, I can do it. Mm-hmm. Bonus episodes are probably going to increase because I'm probably going to want to talk about more stuff to you guys because I feel like the feed is just going to be a lot more freeform. But I also think that we needed to get, we needed this year to get to that point. Yeah. 
I think the last three years have been um, a lot of having to be in that rigid format for the before and after show because I was working two jobs, because I was trying to pay for a wedding. And so I needed the structure of like, this is, like these are the beats. Mm-hmm. These are the beats every week. Yeah, it was predictable. Yes, exactly. Um, which actually, uh, I think one of the podcasts I want to do is about predictability um, <laughs> and not in the full house sense. <laughs> Whatever um, happened to it. Yeah, oh, 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 uh, oh, my oh. clickbait title for that already is Originality is Overrated. Um, <laughs> Everywhere you look. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah, it was predictable. I knew what I had to prepare for every week. I'm not working two jobs anymore. I'm already married. Um, so I'm looking forward to that a lot. Um, Ryan, uh, like, like, I mean, I think I already hit the nail on the head. Um mm. Whenever we get together, that's all we talk about anyway, is is board games um, or play them. (laughs) And, uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's, I love doing it, but I just don't have time. So it's forcing me to have time. Also, it's, it's actually freeing up some time on my end. I know I do a lot of writing still and, um, you know, I'm still going to be recording, editing and releasing a podcast once a week. But now every other week, I don't have to record a YouTube show. Mm. Um, And Mike doesn't have to edit it. And <laughs> and we don't have to worry about like the we don't have to worry about uh, looking nice for the camera. Like mm-hmm. we can be in gym shorts and and t-shirts, which Mike is currently, Correct. and I almost was because our looking season sexy. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think this is just a good move. And then Ryan, um, if only a woman said that. <laughs> anyway, um, and then Ryan and I, we did. I don't remember why we did this. But we just randomly decided to, I think we didn't have an episode one week. We just had yeah. like a free week and we were like, let's just do a, let's just do us talking kind of. Yeah, we did the board game. Yeah, and we did this kind of deep dive on board game stuff and I loved it. It was so much was fun. Sweet. And people who listened to it were like, oh man, I really liked that. Um, and from there, it actually affected the before and after show in that. It opened up what we've been watching into what we've been consuming and playing and reading. And that was probably the second best creative decision I've made since starting this. Is I, I really liked being able to talk about other things I love um, in that. Because I listen to a lot of music because I have a job where I can have my headphones in a lot. And so I listen to a lot of music. I love music. And so I was able to talk about that kind of stuff. And I don't know why I'd never thought about that before. Um, it's our show. We can do whatever we want in that first you know, 10, 15 minutes. And so it kind of evolved out of that. That's what this board game podcast is evolving out of. We've technically already done a dry run on it. Yeah. Um, and it was great. And so I just, I, you know, in thinking about it, it was like, let's just do that every other week now. Um, so all that to be said, uh, thank you guys. Both, thank you. Um, yeah, for being on this weird little journey with me mm-hmm. um, and agreeing to do it. I don't know why you guys said yes, but you did. Um, Dude, we did it for you, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, I know that, but why though? <laughs> we were be- amazing. And let's be honest, we we're going to talk about this stuff anyway. It's true. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> Might as well put a mic in front of us. Fair enough. We're, we're just as good as everybody else who puts a mic in front of their yeah. face at this stuff. It's true, man. I mean, that's why we started this, right? So. I kind of want to end on, like, what is your big takeaway from being involved in the last year? You know, you you guys were both around when we crossed our 100th episode. Um, Ryan, we'll start with you. Like, what 
What have you learned in, in a year of doing the before and after show? I have learned to appreciate movies more, I think. Because there were times I had to go see a movie I really didn't want to go see. <laughs> uh-huh. and it's true. it really, I mean, I learned a lot about movies. I mean, from you guys and, and your in-depth knowledge. I'm, uh, is the term layman mm-hmm. when it comes to movie knowledge? <laughs> like, I, I like pretty colors and good story. That's about as far as my knowledge goes. So I've really gained a, a much deeper appreciation for the minutia that goes into movie making mm. and, you know, all the, the behind-the-scenes stuff. So that I, has been an amazing journey to go on. And really watching, you know, growing my tastes and what I like, uh, like what I like to watch. And what you don't like, because you got stuck with the dregs this summer, man. I, I did. There, there's, there's been some bad ones. Um, <laughs> <sighs> yeah, there's been some bad ones. But I've, I, knowing I had to go on a podcast and articulate why I didn't like it hmm. has also been really good. Just being learning to be more articulate in my thoughts, that's something as just a human being I struggle with. Because in your head, you figure it out. But if you have to tell another human being, if you're not good at that, that's a horse mm-hmm. of a different color. So that, for me, has been a huge point of growth and just learning, okay, I don't like this movie. Well, why? Yeah. <laughs> and then being able to give points. So that's been an amazing experience for me. So I thank you for bringing this crazy guy on board because it's been fun and it's been a journey of learning for me. Well, Ryan came on because he was a fan favorite guest. He was the only guest I ever got feedback from and <laughs> or feedback about, and it was all positive. So when Corey left, it was like, guess it's Ryan. <laughs> I'm jealous. And I'll say, actually, I think uh, being a layman is a good thing when it comes to this. It really you know, is. It's, it's good they don't have people who are like, they know the ins and outs of how like, this movie was made. But sometimes you need to kind of step back from that and just relate mm-hmm. to like the average listener. Yeah. And like tell people just flat out if it's good or it's bad. Whether or not you liked something. Yeah. So I appreciate hearing that too. Yeah. That's something that like, you know, I want to try to do as well. So that's not just like two nerds talking about something right. they really love and that's it. But to go and synthesize it and try to explain why we like something really well. Mm. Um, so Yeah, no, that's super important. Like when I saw when I saw Dunkirk, I went to the 6 p.m. IMAX showing in our town, um, which is not the artsiest place on the face of the earth. Um, and it was a lot of dads. Mm-hmm. It was the most gray hair I've ever seen in one of these like advanced screenings. Um, and I felt a lot of the audience start to actively turn on the movie. Because mm-hmm. while I was watching it, I was like, this is the artsy, fartsiest war movie i've ever seen yeah and my brain I, my my like critic brain was like this is great mm-hmm. and then the part of me that's from where we're from was like these people are gonna hate this <laughs> <laughs> and uh that's exactly what happened it's really quiet there's barely any dialogue in the film when there is it's impossible to understand we'll talk about all that next week but <laughs> um <laughs> That was that was a British that, accent. That was that was all of Tom Hardy's lines right yep. there. Um, but yeah, so I was like, oh, these people aren't going to like this. I, I kind of locked into it immediately, and I was like half paying attention to how the audience was reacting. And I heard a lot of whispering. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of people get up. I heard a lot of shuffling in seats. It was which is crazy because that movie is the loudest thing I've ever been in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, to the point where I ended up getting on my Facebook. 
and writing a pretty long post about like Dunkirk is a very good movie and you're probably going to hate it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I've seen a lot of uh, not the film Twitter TM 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 people talking about how it's not that like it's just kind of an okay movie. Yeah. Um, and the part of me who really loved the movie is like, no, you just didn't work hard enough for it. But then the other part of me is like, well, should they have to? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair argument that they yep. shouldn't have to. Yeah. Um, so, Mike, what have you learned in the last year of being on YouTube and editing and uh, talking on this sort of large scale about what's happening? Well, I think this show has been a really good incubator of everyone's skills in terms of their ability mm-hmm. to go and articulate reasons why they like or dislike something. Um, but with particular... In transitioning the YouTube show from the before and after format. And we, we were watching old movies at first, which was really good. Um, it was a, good to go and visit some classics because it made me realize that we watch a lot of trash nowadays. <laughs> um, but also, uh, when we moved it over to the, the real perspective format and started trying to talk about larger trends that have been happening, it made me... Um, a more active uh, reader of that material than I already was. Um, it also made me consider a lot of the business reasons and financial reasons behind mm-hmm. why movies are made, uh, which is that now we have a lot of franchises out there that uh, <clears throat> are basically manipulated, not for storytelling reasons, but to go and just maximize their profit potential. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of that has made me a little bit more cynical to the movies I watch, but when a good one comes through, it still floors me just like it used to. Yeah. Cause I, cause like that means that something broke through that barrier of this kind of rigid formula that's kind of being passed around between studios. And that means that it must have been a really solid film for it to go and cause impact. Um, and more than just that, um, like I was saying before, this is something that I like doing with you anyway. And yeah. like I enjoy doing it. Um, I always like to have the chance to go and talk about movies with people who care about them. And um, that isn't something that's changed. It's just something that's gotten better with having, you know, a forced reason to go and do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you guys both hit um, hit the major points that I wanted to hit, too. I've been doing this for three years regularly. I did it for about a year, a few, a few years earlier. Um, and gosh, I mean, this podcast predates like i mean like we talked about it predates my marriage uh it's um something i left school to do which for better or worse (laughs) um you know i i i quit college to do a podcast and it took me a year and a half to come up with a premise (laughs) um and so it was a really weird year and i leave i have to um i have to leave with a purpose and then a year and a half went by and I was like, what, what is it? You know, what's, what's happening? It's kind of, you know, it's a little bit like what the premise they're saying is for Bill and Ted three is 30 years have gone by and they haven't written the song that's going to save humanity. And they're like, how do we do this? Um, for me, it was a year and a half and I was like, I don't know what to do. And you know, I, I, I've said the story before, but I noticed that we were, I don't remember even what movies were coming out at the time, but there was a lot of movies coming out where you're talking about expectation versus reality in my group of friends. And I was like, let's build a show around that. Let's build a show around 
what that is. I actually, something we were talking about off mic was the Gamergate stuff. That was kind of right when all that was kicking off, right? And uh, we're not super going to get into what the Gamergate thing is, but what they claim to be is about ethics in game journalism, right? It's about video games. Um, it's a terrible movement that no one should associate themselves with. But, uh, you know, they, they, they stand on this hill of ethics in game journalism, ethics in game journalism. We just want everything to be fair. We want everything to be, um, for lack of a better word, as objective as possible. And I thought, okay, well, this is happening in this other world that I kind of pay attention to. How do we do that without being D-bags about it? Mm -hmm. And it was to talk about the movie before we see it, Mm -hmm. to get our judgments out in the open. Um, We become kind of bulletproof a little bit uh, when we do a before episode, right? You know, if, if, if we do a before episode about how we don't like Johnny Depp as an actor and then go and crap on the new Pirates of the Caribbean movie and people are like, you're so biased. It's like, okay, sure. Like, yeah, let's talk about that. We admitted it. We talked about it last week. You should have listened. It puts the impetus on the consumer, right? And that's been really good for me to kind of just see where I'm at when it comes to something. Let's face it. I'm going to see these movies anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what it does is it forces me to think about the movie before I head into it of like, what do I need out of this movie? Versus what do I want out of this movie? Not what do I need, but what is this movie going to do versus what do I want this movie to do? Mm-hmm. And bad, bad criticism happens when your review starts with, this movie should have. Mm-hmm. When you start saying what the movie should have done before talking about how you felt about the movie and ex- expect- and your expectations for it going in, you're opening your, you're making yourself incredibly vulnerable and it's kind of bad criticism. But... If you go in and you do an episode before the film and you're like, okay, here's what I like about this movie. Here are the people I like involved with this movie. Here's what I don't like. Here's what I'm kind of cynical about. Here's the behind the scenes stuff that I heard. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. And then you come and do it and you're like, that was pretty good. Or that sucked. I wish they would have done this. You, all your, all your crap is right there on front street. And so it's forced me to be a lot more honest in my criticism and that's been really good. Um, this show led me to a lot of cool connections. Um, I got very active on Twitter um, for the first time ever. I finally like cracked the platform on Twitter, and I love it now. Weirdly, I really hated it when I first started, but I've made weird connections on there um, and like met some cool people. I started writing like not full time, but pretty darn close. I've started writing for two websites since this has started. Um, I hadn't written in four or five years before that. Um, I started applying to do this professionally, not podcasting, but writing professionally. I haven't gotten hired anywhere, um, um, as of yet, but I've gotten close, uh, like four times I've, I've gotten close to having jobs at major pop culture news websites, which is, mind-blowing to me to even be considered uh, um that that you know this like weird little sensitive boy from bakersfield california uh would have somewhere like name redacted reach out to them and uh consider me for like writing like they they value my opinion enough to reach out when i reach out to reach back when i reach out that's nuts like that that the 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 first time it happened it blew my mind 
Like, I was just like, what? <laughs> I didn't expect to get, like, a callback on this. Um, and it's just made me a better communicator. It's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm better at thinking about what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm better at that. And I'm better about thinking about why I'm saying what I'm saying. And it's helped me professionally. It's helped me to get considered for these professional level jobs, you know. When it comes down to it, this journalism stuff is communication. It's, it's, it's communicating effectively. And several times now, I've had that validated by major outside sources who have said, you communicate effectively enough for us to consider you to be on our team of people who communicate effectively. <laughs> um, and that's like, that's nuts. Uh, and so that's that's helped me a lot in in, you know, in my professional life as well, just like tackling a problem at work. I've gotten a promotion at work and I guarantee you it's because I figured out how to communicate effectively. Um, and since I like to kind of to my heart a little bit, since I've taken over this position, I've gotten a lot of really good feedback on it of like, oh, you're doing a really good job communicating with your team. That's the first praise anyone ever gives me is like the communication between your team is better than it's ever been. And I, in my brain, I'm just like, yeah, because the podcast, like the mm-hmm. podcast taught me how to communicate better. And now I'm passing this along to a team of people I'm in charge of. Yeah. Um, and so that like all that, it's just been like a ton of growth mm-hmm. um, personally. And that's been nuts. Like just, you know, it's it's the Malcolm Gladwell thing, right? It's 10,000 hours and you're an expert or you're a genius or whatever. We haven't done 10,000 hours of podcast. Probably a thousand. Um, when it's all said and done. Uh, so we're 10% of a genius. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, it's it's taught me how to use audio recording software. I've gotten really good at Audacity. Um, I can make the episode sound okay. Um, so I make it sound better than a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man. <laughs> we have to do a sketch now that's like Christopher Nolan as like a sound engineer. Oh man. I wanna do like the entire next one, just like with like plastic cups up to our mouths. <laughs> just talking the entire time. <laughs> that's so stupid. <laughs> that's so dumb. Yeah, it's just been it's been crazy. And that's why I didn't want to stop. You know? Um the first thing I said to Mike is so what ha- what happened is Ryan told me he hasn't had a lot of time because he's getting ready to be a teacher. And then that night, Mike told me I'm getting this other promotion at work and it's going to be kind of a pretty big deal. And I was like, oh, crap. It's the, like both of those things happened the same day. And I was like, this means something. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the other thing. That's the other like weird like anxiety thing that creeps in. Like while we're doing this, I have a great time. But then when I like have to think about it, I'm just like, why do I do that? Like I want to stop doing this every week, even though I just talked about all the good things that have happened in my life as a result. And uh, I think in the end, my heart and brain even matter. <laughs> Too soon! <laughs> Holy moly! Oh my god! What you crawling in your skin right now? I hate you. <laughs> Don't be so numb. I'm gonna flip this table. <laughs> All right, I'm listening to your points of authority. I'm not gonna regret what I've done. <laughs> Oh, you just got angry at me with the, the, the fury of a thousand suns. Why do you know so many Linkin Park songs? <laughs> um, oh. Well, not answer that question. <laughs> but at one point, I was a teenager. 
Fair enough. I guess. Were you super into Lincoln Park for a minute? I dig their songs. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. They like. I saw a live DVD of them, and it kind of turned me around on them. Actually, mm. they were really good live. Yeah. Anyway, that's getting edited out. <laughs> Man, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not working. I put it. I lost the last three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, what? There, okay. There were too many good puns in there to cut out. <laughs> I think I'm just gonna cut out the end about why you know somebody like a park song. <laughs> um, man uh gosh we've been recording a long time i feel like it's minutes to midnight (laughs) Um, yes (laughs) yeah (laughs) anyway so yeah like the uh uh in the end you gotta gotta, gotta break that habit and hence this is the reason why the podcast needs to burn yeah. <laughs> because of ruby's the size of dangerines <laughs> um <laughs> anyway oh. um so that, that's the thing is like the the other like personal side you guys don't see and you guys being the listeners and Mike and Ryan is like, I, every week I'm like, it's time to end this. <laughs> um, every week I'm like, we should just, we should just stop. We should just stop. Like, I, I feel, my poor wife, man. <laughs> um, every week I'm like, no one's listening. Uh, no one likes this. Uh, why do we keep doing this? And then like, we just do. <laughs> um, like every time, every time I'm like, this is it. Like, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I, I do it still. And I think that's because my, like, my heart and my brain know that, like, it is good. It is a good thing for us to do. It's, it's, it's helping us, you know, a lot. And it's helping us as friends. Um, you know, it's helping our relationships as friends. Um, and, and it's, it's been an incubator, like you said, of, of a skill set that is necessary and important. And just like talking, talking to someone else for an hour a week is so even though it's about this like dumb stuff kind of it's like really therapeutic in that you just get to talk to someone for an hour a mm-hmm. week mm. um face to face with them like mm, we don't a novel concept yeah in right society. like it's weird because the technology is between us but like our phones aren't really out like they yeah. they can't be because we have the mic mm-hmm. and so you just like get to hang out with a friend for an hour it's like scheduled friend time why would i stop doing that mm-hmm. um and and so you know, with with all of that and, and, and Mike and Ryan getting the jobs, it, it did seem like a natural endpoint for this. But then immediately Mike floats the idea of um, let's take real perspective and put it in an audio format. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, and then, you know, I was like, OK, well, where does that leave me and Ryan? Because I still want to create with Ryan, too. You know, I, I have this collective of three people that I love creating stuff with. And I don't want to lose any of them. <laughs> and so I wake up the next morning and I was like, oh, Ryan and I should do a board game podcast. Like, it just, it came out the gate fully <laughs> formed. And so I call Ryan Tuesday, I call Ryan Thursday night on my way to see Dunkirk. And I'm like, hey, I've got kind of a crazy idea. By the time <laughs> I was like, okay. He's like, yeah, I'm on board. And I was like, okay, we need to come up with a name. By the time I'm out of the movie, he sends me like six names. <laughs> so I was like, okay, we, this is the this is the right direction for this. So I'm really excited. Um, I think this is going to be a good thing. 
Um, like I said, this is going to be kind of a super episode. This is still the last episode of the Before and After Show. And we want to leave you on not just this note of, of what's going to be changing, but we want to give you content that is the Before and After Show as you kind of know it. So we're going to transition now into um, the last episode of the Before and After Show, which is Mike and I, Ryan, was busy getting prepared to... Uh, teach a bunch of crazy kids. Um, <laughs> All I need are minds for molding. <laughs> that was super creepy. <laughs> that, that was also creepy. <laughs> yes, this is Mr. Schneeblade. <laughs> um, anyway, so with that, uh, Mike stepped in to talk uh, uh, to talk about War for the Planet of the Apes. You're also going to hear at the beginning of the traditional what we've been watching section of the before and after show and that'll be it man that that is a wrap on the before and after show um we're gonna have to come up with new post credits things because mm. the reconnaissance song was reconnaissance um sweet Man, that made me super, super happy. <laughs> um, Closing time. <laughs> no, that's a song about a kid getting born. Uh, um, I don't know why. I don't know how, but it is. Uh, anyway, so so yeah, what you're going to hear next is is the last episode of the Before and After Show. Um, it's me and Mike talking about it, and uh, that's that's it. Uh, oh no, that's not it. Um, Last thing, uh, thank you guys for listening. I can't believe we've talked this long about our own dumb selves. Like, we disappeared up our own butts so much that we forgot <laughs> to talk about you guys. Who? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, you know, like I said, the show doesn't get a lot of listens. We average about 25 per episode. Um, 50 if it's a good episode. <laughs> um, but if you have ever listened to the episode, um, thank you a lot. It, it means a lot that you would spend... Um, an hour, an hour of your week, uh, with us in your ears. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's a weird thing. And whispering right? sweet things. Mm-hmm. This is an ASMR podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. You like that pencil? <laughs> I don't know how that's a thing. <laughs> I didn't think. All right. Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, thank you. It, it means a lot. Um, you know, we've crossed 100 episodes, and it's because of you guys. It, mm-hmm. That's that's what blows my mind about this thing, is it made it to over 100 episodes. Like, when this thing first started, I was like, I'll do it for a year or 100 episodes, whatever comes first. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we got there. It took two years, two and a half years. And, and it took 100 episodes to get to 100 episodes. <laughs> yeah, it took 100 episodes. Um, <laughs> I think in total we have like 127 episodes or something including bonus episodes uh, and crap like that um but yeah uh yeah thank you thank you so much um seriously thank you yes yeah. muchas gracias yeah um if you've ever talked to me about the podcast if you've ever shared the podcast if you've ever uh talked to either one of these guys about the show um if you've ever told people about the show um thank you um i've i've made a lot of like good connections off the podcast i've talk to people and and made friends made closer friendships in my friend group um off the podcast i've we started a podcast uh off of us jake barton's historian podcast 
does not exist unless he comes on and tells his story about um, almost getting cast in Force Awakens, which is a great episode. One of my favorite episodes of the podcast is the Force Awakens set of episodes. Um, Corey and I did so much work <laughs> um, when Force Awakens that, came out. That was a lot of Star Wars, man. It was so much Star Wars. Star Wars. We watched all six of them and recorded about them, and we recorded interviews with our friends about them. And then Jake came on and told his story about almost getting cast in Star Wars, and then he came on to talk about it, final thoughts. It was crazy. And then you it watched was... it and were disappointed <laughs> by yes. it. Yeah, man. Yeah. And then people got really mad because Attack of the Clones is kind of in my top three Star Wars movies. <laughs> people got super mad at me about that. Um, yeah. Uh, so the, before we transition to that, do you guys have any like standout moments in recording that that uh, that you think about or that make you laugh? or? Uh I mean, I I just felt honored the first time I got to be on it, which was when we talked about Lawrence of Arabia. Holy moly, that's right. Mm -hmm. That point in my life, I was, I I think I had just gotten bar results or something like that, but I was searching for my job. uh, And it was at a point where I was like, what's my future going to be? And so having like this just to go and like, give me some sort of purpose while I was waiting for whatever my next purpose was. Uh, was an honor, and so that's something that I always value. So wow, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. I think for me, my my favorite memory would probably be one of the first times I was on, and I believe that was for Batman v Superman. Oh yeah, it was one of the first ones, and my favorite memory is I was I was whining about not whining but critiquing the whole thing about why Batman and Superman were fighting. And I said something, and I had you and Corey just busting up laughing for like two or three minutes. Man, I don't remember what that was. I'm going to have to go back and listen to it. Something along the lines of, I don't understand you, I don't understand you, let's fuck. <laughs> That's right, okay, I do and, remember that. Um, that just, that was just a, a, a like the, one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, I understand. I just had that feeling when you guys died when I said this is an ASMR podcast. Um, <laughs> no, that's the thing is like, this isn't. This isn't a comedy show, um, but I know some funny people, and, you know, it's it's weird because, you know, the show has a clear purpose, right? And so, anytime we can kind of, like, break away, it feels like we're being, like, a little naughty. I know that sounds creepy, but, like, it feels like we're, like, breaking the rules a little bit. mm, Talking about ASMR and nothing. (laughs) I can see where this show's going now. Sweet nothings into your ear. Mm. this is an npr um (laughs) or golf (laughs) or golf but yeah so like every time like we can deviate and just like find like a little riff uh in there there was one of my favorites with ryan is um when we did batman trying to rob a bank or something yeah I don't remember how that evolved. It. I'm not sure it made it into the episode because it was super weird. It was, but we kept up coming with like crazy one liners. I don't remember yeah. what, it was, what it was about. Just like what if Batman had to hold someone up or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it was super. It was this weird little like rabbit trail. And then Mike, one of my my favorite thing with you was our stupid sign-off on YouTube and how that kind of evolved. <laughs> I forgot about that completely. Like, so so, so yeah, Mike's first set of episodes on the YouTube show were before and after Suicide Squad. <sighs> and it was the roughest thing, man. Like, yeah. we saw it together, and the whole time I had two thoughts. Mm. 
I want to leave. Yep. Mike is going to quit. Yep. <laughs> Weird. I had those same thoughts. <laughs> yeah. And I and the third thought was, and I won't blame him. Like <laughs> Man, I had to like angry eat after that. Like yeah. I remember getting out of that movie and being like, okay, we're gonna go record, but I need to like stop and get some bad fast and food. I was, got a frappuccino. Yeah. It was just like whew. Yeah, because yeah, otherwise we like you if you thought that we tore that movie apart. If we had just walked out of the theater and given our reviews right then and there, we really would have torn it apart. Yep. It's true, man. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was awful. But resulting from that. So resulting from that is there's this stupid line in the movie that's repeated (laughs) several times, actually, which is people reminding the audience that they're the bad guys. Yeah. um, Even though it's pretty well established that they're DC villains. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And even though they really don't do that many bad things in the course of the movie, but they have to go and say that to make you reminded of the bad guys, so that way you watch the movie because you got suckered into it through trailers. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so our stupid catchphrase became that, which is uh, it was always like that's the, mm-hmm. like here's remember. MJ's plugs, um, and remember we're the bad guys. But then over the course of the show. <laughs> We tried to do these stupid little puns on it that never worked. Like, nope. none of them are good. And that's what's great about it. Yep. Um, my my favorite one was the most recent, uh, one of the most recent episodes, which was the, the Michael Bay episode when I said, remember, we're the Bay guys. That was like, that's the best we ever yeah, got. Yeah, that, that is the best one. That's awful. Yes. That's awful. But yeah, that's, that's like what I always think of when I think of Real Perspective. And it was... It was the hardest part of recording any episode. Just like, like, oh crap, we're coming up to it. Uh, (laughs) Think of a pun. Uh, Well, that sucked. Oh, well, we laughed the end. Yeah, it's true. I had someone recently talk about our YouTube show and they were like, do you guys do extensive notes? And we were like, none whatsoever. (laughs) Literally zero. It's all up here. Yep. That's kind of a bad thing, but whatever. (laughs) What were you going to say, Ryan? No, nothing. Oh, (laughs) sorry. Um... Yeah, so anyway, all that. Uh, thank you guys again. Thank you for listening. Um, stay tuned. Uh, this is the last episode of the Before and After Show. Next week is your first little taste of what Real Perspective is going to look like. And then we will be offline until September. You'll probably get an episode in August about uh, where you can find the Board Game Podcast, what the title is, that kind of stuff. And also when you can expect... Uh, Real Perspective, the podcast, and Untitled Board Game Podcast, a Star Wars story, um, the, the the dates for those. Um, so yeah, without further ado, here is the last episode of the Before and After Show, After War for the Planet of the Apes, featuring myself and Mike Moray. See you on the other side. Woohoo! What you doing to be movie? The end is a little bit ridiculous. I was unsurprised to see that. And it's sweet! Oh my gosh, you guys need to go watch it. It's so good. It's so good. I want to watch it again.
what you do in the B movie. The end is a little bit ridiculous. I was unsurprised to see that. And it's sweet! Oh my gosh, you guys need to go watch it. It's so good. It's so good. I want to watch it again. internet travelers and welcome once again to the before and after show as always i'm your co-host mj smith and i am not joined by my co-host ryan buell this week um thankfully mike moray from real perspective uh stepped up in his absence how's it going sir it's going well how about you doing well i'm doing well um ryan recently uh became an official teacher proper and so he's scrambling to get ready for the school year because it's pretty recent news and the school year starts pretty soon um, so we wish him the best on that, and uh, hopefully he'll be able to rejoin us soon. But in the meantime, Mike and I are here to talk uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. Uh, before we do that, have you been watching or reading or playing anything in the last week? Uh, I've been playing a little bit of some video games. Okay. I went, I've been playing Yakuza 0. Okay. Yeah, and so Yakuza is like a series that has seven games now was it really yeah it's it's been running quite a while now i thought it was three plus zero yeah <laughs> i thought zero was the fourth one nope uh so they made like five and then they made zero and then they're making six or something okay. like that and uh zero's a prequel they're trying to like kind of explain how things came to be and it's about like this guy who's like not a bad guy but he ends up kind of involved with the yakuza but then tries to get out of it and ends up fighting shady characters and being like a badass it, it's just real badass man it's like a real good crime drama okay like the the gameplay is kind of like a brawler uh, okay so it's pretty simplistic but what you really stick around for is the story and the characters are really good there's cutscenes in that game that go on like 25 minutes oh my god and they're engrossing really yeah like you're totally into it huh. so uh, I played a little bit of that recently, and that's kind of the gist of it. Um, how much karaoke have you done? Mm, a couple songs. A okay. couple songs. Not enough. <laughs> okay. Uh, so what I've been watching, two of the things that I watched tie directly into what we're going to be talking about later, because I saw all three of the Apes movies back to back to back. Yeah. So we'll talk about those in a second. Um what else did I watch? I watched um, To the Bone, mm. which is that Netflix anorexia movie. Oh, okay. Uh, it stars Lily Collins um, and Keanu Reeves. Uh, Lily Collins plays this person suffering from anorexia, and doc- uh, Keanu Reeves plays the doctor who uh, does the treatments to kind of help save her. Uh, um, <laughs> it's, it's a hard movie to review because it's eating disorders are certainly not a world I'm familiar with um, outside of cursory knowledge from just being on the internet and seeing stories of people who have. Um, I've known people who have struggled with eating disorders, but I've known them after. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have not really known anyone's struggle in the midst of it uh, that I know of. Um, and so it was interesting from that perspective of just kind of opening my eyes up to a world that I didn't really know about. Mm-hmm. 
as a movie, the first hour is actually pretty solid. And then it's kind of all downhill for the last 45 minutes. It gets really, it's, it's a really raw, really honest look at anorexia until it's not. It, it, it kind of relies on a lot of like stupid platitudes to get itself across the finish line. And it's really annoying because it hadn't and then it does. And it was the, there's, there's a clear turning point in the film where I stopped liking it. Uh, the film takes place in LA and this is going to be a very LA specific thing, which is one of the reasons I didn't like it. There are two really LA specific references that I was like, Oh God. Um, but the second one actually plays very heavily into the plot. It's a major turning point where they go to the rain room. Do you know what the rain room is no. at the LA modern museum of modern oh, art? Okay. Yeah. So that happens. And I was like, how many people are truly going to get this? Like yeah. watching it across the country, ah, uh, whatever. And it's so lame, man. Like the scene in there is so cheeseball and bad. And I don't know. It's, it's really bad. There's really good performances. Lily Collins is really good on it. There's maybe an argument to be made that it's sending a weird message because it's about obviously how anorexia is bad and damaging. Mm. But Lily Collins lost all this weight to be in the movie. Like it's not CGI'd <laughs> onto her. And so it's kind of like, mm, what though? 12 reasons why yeah yeah it like so i didn't see 13 reasons why uh (laughs) but that seemed like it was maybe building up suicide a lot yeah and this one doesn't in the actual text of the movie Mm -hmm. but in the meta thing right it uh, it's debatable at best (laughs) um and then i watched uh oh i saw the big sick which, um, if you are familiar, is kind of this indie darling that's blowing up the scene. It's from Kumail Nanjiani and Emily Gordon. They're a married couple. Uh, Kumail is a stand-up comedian. He's on Silicon Valley. I love both of them because I used to listen to their podcasts. So I felt like I became friends with them because that's what happens when you listen to podcasts. Um, it's this really, it's, there's no way to say that. That doesn't make you sound like a stalker, but it also is what happens when you listen to podcasts regularly. Um, so they wrote this movie about kind of the beginning of their relationship because Emily has this very rare disease, um, that I don't remember the name of, but basically her body thinks that healthy tissue is an infection and, sends antibodies to attack it even though it's healthy tissue Mm. and so it can look like really bad infections um like they thought she had an infection in her heart but really she just needed some anti-inflammatories from her ankle (laughs) her ankle like she rolled her ankle and it swole Uh and her body thought there was just infection everywhere and so it started sending antibodies to like all of her body Mm. um so it's kind of about that beginning time in their relationship um the movie is built like a friggin' bomb shelter, man. Like it is the most rock solid script I've seen in a long time. Like that, that thing is basically bulletproof. Like as far as like a, a structure and like arcs and themes and jokes and just like this emotional roller coaster. It is, it's amazing. Like, it's- Ray Romano in the movie? Ray Romano is in the movie. He plays Emily's father in the movie, and he's freaking great in it. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. He's so good in it. Everyone is super good in it, but, like, he's one of the standouts. Um, Holly Hunter's really good. She plays 
Emily's mom, but I like Holly Hunter as it is. I mm-hmm. think she's very, very likable. Um, yeah, Ray Romano, man, is so good. He gets one scene with Kumail that's just like, it's, I was like, man, post Everybody Loves Raven, Ray Romano, keep doing what you're doing, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help. So, okay. So one of the things I noticed, this is a super duper superficial thing about it. Ray Romano is really tall. Yeah. Which made, made me freak out about how tall Brad Garrett must be. Yes. Like Brad, cause Brad Garrett is much taller than Ray Romano. Right. And Ray Romano's really tall. <laughs> Cause like there's a scene, there's a scene where Ray Romano, that Ray Romano and Holly Hunter are walking side by side and he's like towering over her. I don't know how tall Holly Hunter is, but he's gigantic against her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how tall is Brad Garrett? <laughs> and like I was like, giants walk amongst us and they're named Brad Garrett. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Um, but yeah, he's, he's so good in it. Um, it's, it's a really, like I said, it's just, it's a really solid screenplay. Like that thing, I think it's got a nomination in the bag, uh, come Oscar season. Cause mm-hmm. it, I think it plays like the best of what people say of Woody Allen or mm. someone like that. Um, Reminded me actually a lot of a movie that I love called Sleepwalk With Me. Um, I've heard of that movie. Mike Birbiglia, mm-hmm. his thing, another comedian that wrote a script that they directed. Um, and that movie, I think, has a really solid script uh, that didn't get any Oscar love, but I think it came out in a tough year. I think this one has a real shot. Um, it just, it, man, that screenplay is great. I saw it with a weird audience. It's a movie about comedians. And there's jokes, and they're funny, and no one laughed, but my audience loved the movie. Like, we were cracking up at some of the stuff that happened, and no one else was. And I was like, I don't care, I'm gonna teach you people what a joke is. Like, it was just super weird, because there's long periods of stand-up sets in the movie, just crickets from my theater. Hmm. Even though they seemed amused by them. Like, there wasn't, yeah. there wasn't this air of disdain for those scenes. It seemed like they, they landed with them, but no one decided to show that via laughter. And I was very confused. It is weird. Yeah. Um, it's one of the best romantic comedies I've ever seen, hands down. Um, it's really, really good. Um, I think that's it for what I saw. Um, we're going to transition into our talk about War for the Planet of the Apes. It is the third film in this new Apes prequel trilogy. Uh, it started with Rise of the Planet of the Apes in 2011 and was followed by Dawn of the Planet of the Apes in 2014. Um, the first one was directed by Rupert Wyatt and the second one and this one were directed by Matt Reeves of Cloverfield fame. Um, Yeah, so I saw the first two right before I saw that. And those movies are very good. Yes, they are. Both of them are. Yes. As a matter of fact, I hadn't seen either one of them since I saw them in theaters, even though I own the first one. Uh, I guess we'll camp out there for a second. That first movie is so well made, man. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's just like, it's a really good, like, action drama. Yes. And it shouldn't work at all. No. <laughs> nope. You see James Franco in it, and you're like, oh, it's going to be horrible. Mm-hmm. But it actually turned out to be real good, and he's real good in he's it. He's super good in that movie. Um, the, 
the plot, which seems like this is going to be dumb, actually turns out to be pretty good and compelling. It's, yes. And it's supported by a great performance by Andy Serkis. Yes. He anchors that whole thing, man. Yes, he And does. while the CG, I think, has aged, uh, it's still fantastic motion mm-hmm. capture work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it tells, like, a really good story. Yep. It really does, man. Like, it's, it's really interesting and... Mm-hmm. You know, the way it builds is really nice. Like, the the script is really well done to it. It's, there's almost no fat on the movie, which I appreciated. Like, it opens and we see him get Caesar. Mm -hmm. But in him getting Caesar, there's like a bunch of plot reasons, a bunch of plot things that happen. And then it cuts to three years later and Caesar is kind of a toddler monkey now. And Mm. then it cuts to five years after that. And so, like, it just, like... Is like, and then, and then life was normal until this, you know, it was, it's just this very immediate assumed passage of time that everything was in a holding pattern for a while. So there's no killing time to get to the events mm-hmm. that are uh, all, plot and life altering for these characters. It's just like, and then life happened, but here's this. Yeah. Um, I really, really appreciated it about the first film. It also, I, so Koba is in the film and yeah. I did not remember that at all. Mm-hmm. I didn't remember that even a little bit. Um, Movies have done a real good job of having supporting characters who transition across all three or at least two of the movies. Yes. And setting up and delivering arcs that happen later. Yes. Uh, and Koba's one of them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, also, David Oyelowo is in this movie yes, and I did not know that. Mm-hmm. And when he showed up, I didn't recognize him. And so it took it took someone mentioning that uh, he was in it for me to be like, oh, that was him. Because the whole time I was like, who's this not quite LeVar Burton looking dude? Um, so then that obviously a 45 minute break happened. And then we were treated to Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, which was the first one Matt Reeves directed. It is the continuation of the saga of Caesar and his very smart apes. Um, they are smart because of a ad- super aggressive alzheimer's virus or a super aggressive vaccine or treatment for alzheimer's that actually instead of curing alzheimer's in humans gave them something that became deemed the simian flu and wiped out a huge chunk of the population right um and actually that simian flu thing is kind of a thread throughout the whole uh of of this this trilogy but we'll get to that in a second um it's about the people who are genetically resistant to the simian flu there are kind of pockets of them uh one of them in san francisco where the the first film takes place um there are pockets of them who are living in san francisco they're running out of fuel and there's this dam that if they can get working will supply them with power but it happens to be on the territory of the apes and so it's kind of this literal power struggle yeah. uh between the humans and the apes mm. uh for for po- literal power um and but at the center of it also is koba is smart now and and the apes have developed more speaking and they communicate through sign language a lot koba does not trust the humans but caesar does mm-hmm. and koba wants it to be us versus them and caesar wants it to be us and them mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the humans are kind of in similar positions there's a character who 
is a more bumbling version of Koba, we'll say. Um, but then the other characters are very sympathetic toward the apes and, and understand that they might be able to work together. Unfortunately, the actions of the uh, of Koba and his human counterpart lead to a confrontation in the city um, where Koba leads an assault on the city, basically, and Caesar has to show up and stop Koba, but by the time he does, it's kind of too late. Yeah. Um, holy moly, is this movie good. Such a good movie. It's one of the best movies of the last 10 years. Like, Yeah, easily. It, like I was telling you before we started the podcast, it's like the dark night of this respective franchise mm-hmm. in terms of, or the Empire Strikes Back, whatever yes. you want to, it's like taking the themes of the first one, but manages to go and develop them into a much richer tapestry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it goes and develops a bunch of different characters in interesting ways between Caesar, who has like a good arc. Because, I mean, his initial arc isn't even working with the humans. It's he wants to stay away from them. Yes. To wanting to work alongside them. To realize at the very end that he can't work alongside them and they're going to have conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Koba who, uh, you know, basically Caesar could have become under similar circumstances. Koba was just mistreated by humans. Meanwhile, Caesar wasn't. Mm-hmm. And so that's how Koba develops the way he is. And Koba, despite rejecting humanity... Goes and shows a real ugly side of himself that is human. Yes. Um, which is great. I, yes. I really like that theme that goes on in that. Um, and then, you know, not to go and show that the humans are all saints. You've got good guys and bad guys on the, on the human side as well. Mm-hmm. And it's a very gray movie, I want to say, but at the same time, it's not. Like, yeah. Like, the, cause it's not like presenting gray as good. It's just saying that like, they're good bad people on like these two sides. Yeah. And like, the good people need to stop the bad people on their respective sides. It's presenting gray as more of a fact of like, yeah. uh, it's, it's this like weird human tapestry. And I know that's like a stupid thing to mm. say, but it, it really does work, I think, in the sense of like, some people suck. Some people are great. Some mm-hmm. people are kind of undecided. Like, just yeah. like, it's, this is just people like yeah, it's just like people humanity. are people are different is the yeah. major theme of the movie but it's so well executed mm. um that it doesn't come off sounding dumb <laughs> obviously uh and also Matt Reeves shot the crap out of this movie there yeah. are two shots in the initial assault on the human uh encampment that are so good one is this slow-mo of Koba riding a horse through a wall of fire yeah that is one of the coolest things i think i've ever seen in a movie which should be completely stupid (laughs) yeah i mean like there's so much in this movie that should just be dumb oh also he's dual wielding machine guns yeah but that was sweet (laughs) yeah it's so dope and then there is one of the best shots i've ever seen in a movie full stop in this movie Koba gets into the gun turret of a tank Mm. and Matt Reeves mounts the camera on the turret and the turret spins 360 degrees, I think three times. And you just see this full scope of the assault from the perspective of the, the, the turret on the tank. And Mm. it's so, oh man, it's so great. It's so great. Uh, also, the visual storytelling in this movie is some of the best. Yes. Uh, not just in terms of, like, cool-looking stuff. There's one thing I noticed that's really, really great. It's this really, really, really specific thing. In the first movie, um, the apes mostly... In, in all three of the movies, the apes mostly speak sign language. 
Um, but Caesar basically does this thing where he gets the, 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 in Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Caesar's kind of new kid on the block in this tribe of apes. And he makes this very subtle power play by appealing to the compassion of the quote leader at that time. Mm-hmm. And this orangutan asks him, why did you do that for Rocket is the name of the ape that actually becomes Caesar's right hand man later on. He says, why did you do that for Rocket? And, Caesar grabs the stick and he points at it and says, apes, apes alone weak. And he snaps the stick into like a bundle Mm -hmm. of sticks, like four or five sticks. And then the theme that is delivered on even in the third movie is apes together strong. Mm -hmm. And he tries to break it and he can't break that bundle of sticks. In the climax of Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, it's the final showdown between Caesar and Koba, and Koba kind of knocks Caesar back really hard. It's, it's taking Caesar a minute to get up. Rocket, still loyal to Caesar, wants to do something. He grabs a pile of rebar and hurls it at Koba, uh, and it hits him. And it's very reminiscent visually of that bundle of sticks that Caesar has in the first one. And it breaks apart. It does hit Koba and knocks him back a bit, mm. but it breaks apart. And in that moment, the 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 ape tribe is fractured yeah uh you know apes apes are no longer together Mm -hmm. um and that's delivered on in the third film uh where we see some of we'll get into the more specifics of of this in a second we'll see some of the um or we see some of the uh the apes that have defected to the human side because of what happened between caesar and koba Mm -hmm. you know apes are not no longer 100 percent together yeah um, and the third film is about how they have to come back together, um, and become apes strong together again. So that leads us into the third film. <laughs> um, the third film is War for the Planet of the Apes. It just came out. It's about Caesar and his group of people who are being stalked by, uh, this kind of mad colonel. Mm-hmm. They've been stalked for t- two years after the events of Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. But in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, they make mention that they've called in the military to to eliminate Caesar. Mm-hmm. So that that even is a continuous thread from the end of Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Yep. Um, and so it's just been two years of the colonel going after them. To In that two years, the colonel has become mo- more and more obsessed with finding them. Mm-hmm. The colonel, the movie opens on a showdown between the apes and some of the colonel's soldiers and they kill uh oh and then it eventually leads into the colonel assaulting himself uh caesar's hideout Mm -hmm. and he kills caesar's wife and son yep and then caesar goes on a revenge mission and also moses (laughs) and that's the end of the movie um but yeah, so he it's it's about Caesar going on this revenge mission while also the apes have to go on this exodus mm-hmm. from from their hideout yep. um uh only to become imprisoned mm-hmm. by um, the Egyptian by, mean, by the, the colonel. Yeah, mm-hmm. by the by the colonel. Um because C- Caesar when he leaves takes all the rest of the leadership with him. He takes uh, Maurice mm-hmm. and Rocket with him and uh they go and find the colonel and I mean that's kind of it. It's 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 a much slighter film than the its two predecessors. Yes. Um, Mike, what did you think about War for the Planet of the Apes? I'm real conflicted over it. I, I agreed. I struggle to say whether or not I even like it. 
Okay. Uh, I think it's technically a well-made film. It's got great cinematography, excellent acting, the CG's great, uh, blah, blah, blah. The story disappointed me. I, it, And the pacing of the movie also disappointed me. It's punishing. Yes. <laughs> um, and maybe that's part of the point. But coming off of Dawn, it's a, it's a downgrade. Mm-hmm. And for a movie whose plot is this simple, which is basically The Searchers plus Exodus. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't, the length of the movie doesn't warrant a plot being that thin. And uh, I had issues with basically the fact that the movie kind of doesn't need to exist. Like I was telling you, I um, I felt like you didn't really learn anything about these characters in this extra time that you spent with them that you didn't already know before, for the most part. Yes. I feel like you you know who Caesar is. You know he's noble and he's good. He's going to try to stick by people and try to find like a middle way if possible. And he does that in this movie. Like, you already knew that from the second one. And now he just, spoilers, dies, you know, for kind of doing that. Right. Um, you know that Maurice is a bro. Like, that guy's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that, like, humans are mostly bad. Um, and I, I think the movie's really weakened by the lack of having strong human characters in it. Yes. And... You know, maybe this is intentional. I've seen it suggested, and I thought this myself while watching the movie, that Rise of the Planet Apes, the first one, had more human characters than ape characters. And then there's an equal balance between the two and the second one. And then the third one is mostly dominated by the apes with very little amount of humans, almost demonstrating how, like, there's a slide for humanity while the apes are rising. Sure. Great. That's thematically cool, but it makes You're for a... Oh, I'm sorry. It's making for a less interesting movie. Mm-hmm. And um, I I just kind of felt like there was nobody on the human side to really grasp onto, besides the colonel, who appears like an hour and a half into the movie. And, and has one meaningful scene. Essentially. Where he just says, he just vomits plot. Yeah. <laughs> and he's good at it, because Woody Harrelson is actually pretty good in the movie. Yeah. But man, it's a, it's a misuse of that character, I think. Yeah. I feel like there is... Yeah, I, I, so my piece is that I basically agree with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you gun to my head, I would say I like the movie. Mm-hmm. But at probably pretty near the bottom of my having to say I like the movie. Yeah. I would say it's a good movie. There's nothing wrong with the movie mm-hmm. outside of a couple things. Um, but like, the, I, there, are, I've seen much worse movies. Oh, yeah. Like, that is the thing. Like, uh- you, you could do a hell of a lot worse I mean, in like a theater going, right now. Yeah, you take something like Suicide Squad, which is definitely yeah. like dog crap. Yeah. You know, and this is obviously better. Yeah. That doesn't mean that I liked it. Sure. You know? Sure. Um, so, it, it it's really quiet, and I respect that. Yeah. The movie's got, like I said, it's got a massive set of balls on it. Like, there's mm. some stuff in this movie where I was like, I can't believe you got that past a major studio to put in a movie. Yeah. Um, and I, I like that. I respect that even it's, it's a really ambitious movie from that sense. Yeah. If it doesn't always work in its execution. Mm -hmm. And that goes kind of a long way with me. That being said, yeah, it's just, it's so long for how slight it is. It's so long. Like meandering. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's it's not meandering in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a film I just watched, and you'll hear this on my plugs, a film I just watched is The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. Uh, I think the title should suggest how meandering the film is. <laughs> um, it's a two-hour and 40-minute movie that gives away its ending in the title. Uh, it, it, what? Um, but it's really good, and it's really meandering, and it's all in a good way. This is not necessarily. I think there's some editing that could have happened that could have made it tighter. Um, I also think that the title of the film is wrong. Yeah, it's um, very misleading. And it's kind of the whole thing throughout all of them. I really think if, if, if you truly wanted the movies to really hit home thematically, and I think this would have gone a long way with me liking the movie. Mm-hmm. The first movie should be called Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. The second one should be called War for the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. And the third one should be called Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Correct. Because if you call this movie Rise of the Planet of the Apes, it delivers on that title tenfold. <laughs> um, I don't think, I think you're right about, about the, um, the characters not really progressing anywhere emotion, developmentally. Yeah. But I think the movie serves an important purpose in pushing the characters physically. To their breaking point? No. To, uh, to where they need to be physically. Okay. In, geographically. Like, geographically. Okay. Yes. For Planet of the Apes to be a thing that mm-hmm. happens. I don't know that you need a two hour and 21 minute movie to get them there. Yeah. Uh, but I appreciate that they put in the effort to maybe try and do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it is about the literal journey with these characters. I mean, if you're going to take the Moses thing to its full extent, a lot of Moses' story is about him wandering around. Yeah. Like a lot of it is. Mm-hmm. And he eventually learns some stuff, but it takes him a while and... He arguably learns the most at the beginning of his career, b- career, um, at the beginning of his, his time as the liberator of the Jewish people mm-hmm. before they begin their wandering in the desert. Yeah. That's when he learns the most. And if Caesar is ape Moses, Caesar is ape Moses. <laughs> um, it, it, he's learned the most about himself in one and two, and now it's, just the journey to where they need to be geographically. Uh-huh. So I think it actually works. Um, I don't know if it's for me. <laughs> um, it's a really quiet movie. Mm-hmm. It's a really quiet movie. It's a really quiet movie. Yeah. Um, it is the opposite of the 68 Planet of the Apes. The 68 Planet of the Apes is nothing but monologues. Yeah. Talking, and this is talking, talking. nothing but staring at each other. Yes. Um, it's a really bleak movie and I'm fine with that. However, there's a character in here named Bad Ape that they put in there. It seems to me to kind of break up the bleakness of the movie and it's really bad. Ape. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, I understand what you're saying. He didn't bother me so much. But I see where you're going with this, which is... So, I found him relentlessly annoying. <laughs> um, and I think... And people thought he was great yeah. in my theater. People were dying when he was talking. I'm like, what? Yeah. I'm like, okay. Like, he's all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, played by Steve Zahn, who I like. Yeah. Um, but 
I like I said, I found him super annoying. And I, I think if you're fine with Bad Ape, you don't ever get to complain about Jar Jar Binks again. You don't. <laughs> you just don't. And I'm fine with Jar Jar Binks. He's a bad ape. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I mean, you could have slapped that line down and people would have been howling still. Yeah. So. Yep. yep. Yeah. He I does get, get one really good scene with Caesar mm-hmm. where everyone else is asleep. He talks about uh, his life prior to. Mm-hmm. And I like him on paper. I like the idea that there's another really smart ape out there who learned how to speak outside of Caesar's teaching. Yeah. I like that on paper. I think that's really cool. It's just really badly executed because he's just like kind of like. Yoda light, but not as wise. Like he mm. just gets like he's like like the first twenty minutes of Yoda. Yes, and not the rest of the Yoda yes, that you get. Yeah. yes. Like he get, they like they literally just steal jokes from Yoda. Yeah, like the her, like Nova playing with the yeah the thing. My mind. Yeah, yeah. it's the, like that <laughs> literally happens in yeah. the movie. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I was just like, so we're okay, okay, so we're doing this. Yeah. Um, and. Yeah, I, I so one of the other things I, I did like about the movie is the disease. Mm-hmm. Um, so the simian flu, like I said, is the the main thoroughfare for the humans in these movies. It takes shape. It takes hold in the first movie. We see the devastation it caused, but also the people who are genetically resistant to it in the second movie, and in this third one, we see that it's mutating. Mm-hmm. And it's mutating into a disease that doesn't take a person's life per se, but it reduces them to a very primitive state of being. They lose the ability to communicate verbally. Um, and I really liked that because at the beginning of the 68 Planet of the Apes, we meet Nova. And that's how she acts. And so they had to do something to get humans to that point. And it makes thematic sense if you watch all three of the films back to back to back like I did. But I think a lot of people aren't going to remember that plot point. In that, what happens is James Franco develops this Alzheimer's treatment, administers it to his human father, and it works until it doesn't. And Alzheimer's eventually mutates and becomes resistant to the the treatment so james franco goes back into the lab and gives uh basically beefs it up and that's what starts the simian flu Mm -hmm. but the people who are genetically resistant they still have that stuff in them so when the antibodies are winning out in their in their body the virus has to get stronger. Mm-hmm. So it's this reversal, or the, the Alzheimer's treatment has to get stronger. So it's this reversal of what happened in the first film. And I really, really like that. I think that's really clever and smart, but it might be a little too clever and smart. Maybe. Maybe. I think the movie relies a lot on you being more familiar with the first two movies than most people probably are. Yes. Uh, as much as we like these movies, and I think people generally like these movies who actually watch them and don't, and don't dismiss them. They're, they have been very long coming uh, in terms of there's been, what, three years between each of them. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes some of the, like, the intimate plot deals uh, details have been missed out or forgotten by most people. Um, we, we're now six years removed from the first one. So yeah. uh, it's been a while. I agree with that. And I think 
more than just like how it calls back to the first movie i like the idea of there being this virus that goes and robs people of their speech and arguably you don't really see it reduced in the primitive state in the movie itself mm -hmm. like you just see it robs them of their speech but you can see how robbing people of their speech reduces their capacity to go and communicate mm -hmm. and it destroys civilization mm -hmm. i think these movies make a real cool theme that basically the basis of civilization the basis of caesar's rise to power is his ability to speak mm -hmm. and his his way with words and Human civilization is undone by people's inability to speak. I really like that theme. I, to, yeah. take, to go on a weird tangent, um, there's Metal Gear Solid Five. Okay, <laughs> deals with this plot strand where the main bad guy's scheme is to go and create a virus that basically reduces or destroys people's ability to speak. Oh. And he was he basically plans on having a war breakout over it, um, and he's basically taking it out on the west especially the united states because english is the dominant language and so if he breaks english it'll lead to a lot of conflict and turmoil mm -hmm. as revenge for what they did in terms of killing his family and all that sort of stuff and i dug that theme like in that uh -huh. game and i kind of see shades of that in this movie uh -huh. a bit where basically people's inability to communicate and like reason with each other is what led to all the conflict in the previous two movies as well as this one where people just actually spoke like plain people and met and tried to go and push it in good faith there wouldn't have been all this i mean obviously the, the viruses still exist but people's preconceptions of each other wouldn't go and lead to conflict and i like seeing that theme be executed and kind of finalized with a button on this yes one. i agree so that leads to this weird thing i've been seeing um people think that the movie's anti-human yeah uh what I almost am. I agree with it. I guess, like, if you look at it at face value, it's like, well, humans lose, and they're all jerks in this movie. Yeah, kind of, but like, Nova. I don't know. I mean, I think the real theme of the movie is about promoting what is human about us. Yes, exactly. Uh, you know, in terms of you know the human qualities of Caesar and having not just leadership, but like discernment integrity integrity um leadership in general that kind of stuff those are human qualities right and and the apes come to embody that while humanity has lost it like yeah it, they've been immersed in yeah. sin basically yeah well and that's the thing is like the movie's not anti-human because the thing that makes the apes rise to power is how human they are exactly and so it's like well the movie can't be anti-human if what makes these apes different from normal apes is that they're superhuman like like mm. i it, the theme doesn't hold a uh, hold water to to me um mm. just like just because humanity loses doesn't mean the movie is anti-human one humanity has to lose for planet of the apes to be a thing mm -hmm. um and so, like, it's just got to get to that point eventually. Um, two, I, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, Caesar's leadership qualities are something that are, are things that are desirable in humans. Mm -hmm. You know, they're things we look for in our leaders, hopefully. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> Uh, um, I guess I stand corrected. Um, 
but yeah, and and you know, I mean, the 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 thing is, like, the movie ends with him being Moses, yeah, who was a human. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's it it is a very human story that they go through. They they just have a different. They're just fuzzy, you yeah. know. Like, I mean, really, it's like it's more it's allegorical. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, it's really not about them being apes. Yeah, you know, like it, you could apply different kinds of ways of looking at uh, through through race or yes. gender or you know oppressed peoples mm-hmm. essentially um and and the way that they've been discriminated against and how they can rise up and and uh you know demonstrate that they have a civilization and a culture that is um you know also something worth preserving mm-hmm. and admirable and even with that it's not it, 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 even approaching it from that angle, mm. it doesn't promote violent revolution in the name of that stuff. No, absolutely The not. apes go to every length they possibly can to be peaceful in mm. it. Um, you know, and violence is enacted upon them, and then they defend themselves as they rightly should. Mm. Um, you know, with the exception of Koba in the second film, but Koba's actions are denounced by the film. Right. Um, they're, they're, they're very much shown not to be the correct thing. You mm. know, there's, um, th- that whole dynamic between him and Caesar is is contingent upon that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I agree. I think it is more of like a movie about racism, basically. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that what maybe sets some people off about it, and it did kind of bother me, was just the bleakness that it had about humanity, like our fate. Mm-hmm. And like, you don't, you, when you watch like post-apocalyptic stuff you've already dealt with like yeah. you know like with that like it's already been done what's happened to humanity has happened to humanity and then you just see all the repercussions this like you're you're basically seeing the beginning of the end like I mean obviously you've already kind of been mm. living it with these movies before but when people lose their ability to speak yeah I mean that's what really makes us human is yes. our ability to reason and you see how that's going to lead to the downfall things so it left like a real weird taste in my mouth mm-hmm. too because of that so I kind of see what people are saying that if they're thinking along the same ways that I am. It's true. I, I get that. But I think it's also like a misread of what that is. Like, I don't think because it just feels like the next logical step mm. for it, too. You know, like, it's just it's something that has to happen mm. if you're going to have these five other movies exist from the, you know, if you're going to tie them into that timeline, like humanity can't win. Quote humanity. I guess, but these movies didn't necessarily have to go and lead into those movies. Like, they they actually don't, still. Because, I mean, they might lead into the first Planet of the Apes movie. Yeah. But then the second, or the next three, actually go and make their own continuity. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, like, time travel crap. Yeah, yeah, right. And that's what leads to the revolution and all that stuff. Right. um, But it does does have to lead into the first one, because they begin setting up the first one in in Rise of the Planet of the Apes, even, by having the Icarus mission take off. And then there's like a headline that says like lost in space question mark. Mm-hmm. So they've been setting up to planet of the apes one yeah. since the beginning of this. So they had to get it there at a certain point. But once again, it's that thing of over relying on their own mythology. Yes. Um. So I, I get it, but I'm not sure that it holds a ton of water if you really dig into it. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I'm of two minds of it of like, you shouldn't have to, but also it's the third one of three. So mm-hmm. y- you kind of have to. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Um, yeah. So what, what, uh, at the end, uh, when all said and done, how do you feel about Planet of the Apes? War for the Planet of the Apes? I, I respect what it tried to do. I think 
conceptually, it's a lot more interesting than how it's executed. Because when I was watching it, I felt kind of bored for yeah. big portions of it. Maybe if... And I also knew what I was getting into. This isn't like just a... Oh, I was expecting a war and fighting and all that kind of stuff and action scenes. And I didn't get that. So therefore, I'm angry at it. Mm-hmm. it I, like, I read beforehand all these reviews saying like... Yeah, it's basically like a prison break movie for like half the runtime, mm-hmm. and then it becomes like Exodus and Moses and stuff. And so it's not a matter of that. It's just I didn't feel like it warranted being as long as it was, and that really hurt it with me. I do appreciate a movie that can be contemplative, and um, you know I do appreciate this movie being a triple A blockbuster that is actually not filled with a lot of action. I mean, the main action scene at the end of the movie is happy in the background. Yeah. And I kind of like appreciate how crazy that is. Yeah. And because it was just focused on Caesar. I mean, Caesar's the only character arc worth the dang thing in that movie. Yeah. Everybody else is real thin. Yeah. Um, and relying on your other impressions of the previous ones. So all that to say, I guess after talking about it with you, I like it more. Okay. okay. I will say I like it. I, it's just kind of a weak conclusion to what it, it came before. Or it's, yeah. it's weak in comparison. Yeah. It actually has a good conclusion. Yeah. Um, especially the last, like, ten minutes of it are pretty strong. So that's my take on it, I guess. I agree. It's an interesting film. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's one that I'd want to watch again. I don't think it is. <laughs> um, Whereas Dawn, I would. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dawn, I feel like I need to watch more. Even after having seen it last week. Um it's 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 good uh it's not great it's it's definitely the weakest of the three but there's also a lot of really good stuff in it like there's so much good stuff in it that it's hard to completely discount it um that opening battle sequence is amazing it's really it's so good uh i you know i still think matt reeves has a really great eye um if anything it made me kind of happy if Matt Reeves can get some decent creative control on a Ben Affleck Batman movie of like what he could do with that Agreed. character. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think if they really let him loose on it, he could make a really, really good Batman film. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's rewriting the script. Uh, so my fingers are actually kind of crossed for it, man. Like I, especially after seeing Dawn and war back to back, I was like, man, this guy can make some really, really compelling looking stuff yes and he can piece together a really compelling piece yeah. uh so that that was it was just a good reminder of like how good of a filmmaker matt reeves mm-hmm. is um and just like i said super confident like it takes a it takes an, a crazy amount of confidence to try and even attempt something like this film mm-hmm. um and so that goes a long way with me but uh yeah i it, 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 and it I like where all these characters end up, and that that also goes a long way with me. Yeah, a that's movie true. that is real bad, but I like where the characters end up uh, is Terminator Three for me. I know <laughs> that movie's real bad, but I like, and I know it completely negates two. Yeah, which is my don't. But, right, yeah. but I like how kind of crappy that is for humanity in that movie i like the bleakness of terminator 3 of like this is the inevitable conclusion for humanity mm-hmm. i like that it's really badly done but it ultimately when the credits roll on terminator 3 that's what it's saying and i liked that i was like oh man like that's a really interesting way to get these characters where they need to be for terminator 1 to really work right. um and this movie does that without having to negate the other things. It actually does it to support even more 
the original Planet of the Apes movie. And that's where they needed to end up based on the things they started setting up even in the first film, uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And one more thing mm-hmm. I have to go and mention, because we didn't really talk about it much, but Andy Serkis is a boss. Oh my gosh, yeah. Like, I mean, he made one of the best characters in the last decade. Oh yeah, or and, 20 years Yeah, even. I mean, honestly, and the guy deserves an Oscar, so just give it to him already. Yeah. I, yeah, that, I mean, all that stuff is fantastic. And not just talking about the plot being ambitious and, you know, appreciating Matt Reeves' braveness in that, but they made a movie where you the most relatable characters that you spend the most time with, like 8% of the movie with, are apes. Yeah. And they're CG creations, and they're all convincing. Mm-hmm. You buy into them. They're all relatable. I mean, that's like an achievement in itself. Yeah. So uh, I can't go and hate a movie that does that. Yeah, it's true. And like... You know, for I know you think Gollum's like an annoying character, but like Circus is great in those movies too. Yes, like he's absolutely. been doing solid work for mm-hmm. twenty years, basically, and super underappreciated, man. Like super underappreciated in that stuff. I mean, heck, he's even really a really good King Kong in that mm-hmm. Kong movie. That's not that good. <laughs> like, uh, you know, he 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 pours his heart and soul into these performances more than a lot of actors acting with their full physical form on screen. Yep. And I think we're so close to the, this crap getting nominated. I think something's got to give soon on that. Um, maybe Andy Serkis's performance as Snoke. D- maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. Is he Snoke? <laughs> yeah, he's Snoke. I don't think I knew that, maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. Yes, I did. Yes, I did know that. That's right, because I called it a spoiler in our Force Awakens podcast. Um, yeah, it's it's it. it I, look, we're recording this on the edge of Dunkirk coming out. Mm-hmm. That's probably your best bet. <laughs> um, but I, you could do a lot worse at a theater right now. Um, you know. Uh, but only if you've seen the other ones. Yes. Uh, in particular, the second one, I would yes. say. The second one is really required to get the full experience of the third one. Mm-hmm. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. It's the third one in a story. Like You should watch <laughs> Yeah. Ones. Yeah. If you go to the third one, you're like, I didn't get it. It's like, what, have you seen the other two? <laughs> no. Well, that's on you at that point, mm-hmm. man. Um, but if you have seen the other two and you come out and you're like, I didn't get it, you probably haven't seen them recently enough. And that is a little bit of a problem that they, they couldn't make the movie work without that. Um, but yeah, if you, if you haven't seen any of them, you shouldn't see it. But if you have, you should probably see it. Um, it's, it's, it's not, it's not unworthy of what has come before. It's just less than. Yes. Um, yeah, I th- still a good trilogy. It's yeah. probably the best trilogy, honestly, of the last decade. Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably since Lord of the Rings, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, which Circus was also involved in. Uh, but yeah, um, that'll do it for our talk on War for the Planet of the Apes. If you notice, there wasn't a before segment this week, and that's because of something you'll be hearing about soon, um, potentially. So we'll, I'll just put a, we'll, we'll see. We'll see where we're at next week. Uh, there might be surprises in store for both you and I and, uh, everyone here at the before and after show. Um, so bear with us. There might be, uh, some sort of transitional something coming down the pipeline. We haven't hammered out the details yet. 
but we will keep you in the loop. We will do a very special before and after show. Uh, oh, is this one we learned where drugs are bad? Yep. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, that's, you know, Corey's $800 a day cocaine habit. Um, <laughs> I knew it. He's going to appreciate that. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Corey. <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah. In the meantime, you can find me at MJ Smith 891 on Twitter. That's the name of that platform. And, uh, I was just on the underrated podcast with Gabriel Green. I was talking about the film, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. It's, uh, not an underrated film per se, because most people who've seen it liked it, but it's an underseen film. It's understandably underseen because it's a two hour and 40 minute Western, uh, about Jesse James getting murdered. It's a lot of scenery and looking at each other. <laughs> um, but it's, 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 it's a good movie and you can hear us talk about why. Um, and the good news is the spoilers in the title. So you don't have to worry about if you haven't seen the movie being spoiled on it. Um, yeah. So thank you to Gabriel for, uh, for that. Uh, and. Um, I also wrote a written review of, uh, War for the Planet of the Apes at wordofthenerd.com. And I wrote a written review of To the Bone at keithlovesmovies.com. That's K-E-I-T-H, lovesmovies.com. Uh, follow me on Twitter. All my stuff filters through there. And also stupid stuff that I make puns out of. Um, <clears throat> yeah, until next week, uh, go watch The Big Sick. Makanasans. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened to predictability? The milkman, the, the paper boy, the evening TV. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that has to be a yeah. <laughs> That's, that just goes without saying. <clears throat> Mike looks like Bob Saget.